Hi folks, be sure to visit my website at dr-history.com for a short personal video message, to listen to the latest stories, and to leave a comment. And right now, without further ado, we're going to get on the microphone and talk to a man that has turned the pages of history literally, and here he is, Dr. History. Good morning, Zeb. What a great day, right? Oh, it's always a great day when you're vertical and breathing. That's right. Yep. Okay, the last three weeks, we've been talking about Butch Cassidy. And I have kind of left it up to the listeners to decide, did he or did he not die in South America? Now, today, we're going to hit the Sundance Kid. Last week, I was getting gas at the local gas station. (laughs) A neighbor of mine came up, and I said something about Butch Cassidy. And he said, well, you know, we actually have a story in the family about the Sundance Kid, in their family. Really? I said, i got to see this. So uh, that's what we're going to go through today, and uh, there may be some question if this is actually true, but I'm pretty sure it is because of the the research that's gone on in this just, story. Just so we can clarify what you were doing, you were getting gassed or you were getting gassed? I was filling up my pickup. There you go. That sounds better. <laughs> All right. April 6, 1949. 1949, folks. That's two years not, after not, I was born. Yeah. Okay. Picture this. An old man who's going to be 79 years old in a little less than two weeks. He looked harmless enough, weighing barely more than 120 pounds. Wow. The one outstanding characteristic of this old man was his long, flowing hair and beard, white with age. Uh, He was very proud of this long beard and hair. Okay? And then he said this, Gosh darn you, warden. If you cut my hair, I'll come back from the grave and haunt you. I swear it. Two big guards grabbed him by either arm, lifted his feet completely off the floor, set him into the barber chair in the upper floor room of the Utah State Prison. They didn't keep him there for long because surprisingly strong for his age, he overcame the guards, wrestled them to the floor. Eventually, though, they secured him to a chair and the long white locks started falling to the floor. Wait a minute. You said that this guy was 79 years old. Yes. And he had a long white beard and and white hair. hair. And he overturned a couple of security guards? So, here he is, bald and clean-shaven. He he was robbed of his pride, his dignity, and the guy's name was Hiram Beebe. All right? Now, hang on to that name. Hiram Beebe. Hiram Beebe. He was led back to his cell, and, and that's it. So, why did they shave his hair and his beard? I don't know. I think the, the warden just wanted to calm this guy down, and, and it did. It kind of took away his pride. Okay. Huh. Now, uh, little is really ever known about the Sundance Kid, all right, outside of speculation and legend. And so Harry Alonzo Longabaugh was born in, in 1868. He was one of five children. In 1882, he left home at the age of 14. He joined his older brother, Elwood, in San Francisco. And 1889, he served a term in the Crook County Jail in Wyoming at, at the place called Sundance for the theft of a horse and a saddle. Uh-oh. That's where he got the name. Because later at Browns Park, Longbow was given the nickname the Sundance Kid. So that's where that came from, where he had been in jail. Now, uh, 1901, uh, Longbow, uh, Cassidy, Butch Cassidy, and Etta Place uh, were in New York City. Cassidy wanted to head west to rob the Great Northern Train near Wagner, Montana. Sundance and Etta 
sailed for Buenos Aires, Argentina, and Cassidy joined them shortly thereafter. Now, they were called the Bandidos Yankee by the by the yeah. uh, South Americans. You got a pesky fly too. I know I do. I do too. <laughs> but when they were there, they established a ranch near the village of Chilila, Argentina. It was a beautiful area, mountains, lakes. Uh, a neighbor of theirs uh, reported that the trio actually left Cholila in 1907. Now, in the spring of 1907, he wrote to a friend, Sundance did, and he said. Quote, today we leave Cholila, and I don't care to see Chibut ever again. In other words, Sundance saying, okay, I'm out of here. I don't want to ever come back. Okay? Okay. Now, in the spring of 1910, Sundance was using the name of Bob Evans. And he was with a young guy by the name of Lou McCarty, who was an outlaw. Uh, They were actually surrounded by a posse being chased. McCarty was killed, and Sundance was shot through the lungs, he was able to ride to a nearby home of a German immigrant family named Hahn, where he was nursed back to health. Really? Now, in later years, Mrs. Hahn recalled when the posse rode up to her doorstep, they displayed the severed head of the young McCarty. Okay, they cut his head off and asked her to pickle it in a jar so they could preserve it to get the reward. They were gruesome buggers, weren't they? Now, at that moment, Sundance was recuperating from his wound in the back room of the house. How would you like to hear somebody say, pickle this head and think it might be yours? (laughs) Yeah, what did he look like? Well, anyway, so the Sundance kid next appeared in Nicaragua as a gun runner during the revolution of 1911. And as early as 1906, he'd been involved in gun smuggling in Chile and actually Etta had paid $1,500 to one of her influential relatives in the British Embassy at Santiago to save him from going to prison. So he, he led a heck of a life. So now here we are in 1912. Okay? Sundance appeared in Chihuahua, Mexico, under the alias of Tex McGrath. Okay, remember that name. Because so we got the Sundance got Kid. You got many names for me to Sundance remember. Sundance Kid. We got Hiram Beebe. And now we got Tex McGrath. And Bob. Yeah. Uh, Bob, what's his name? Yeah. yeah. Uh, and he worked for a time on a huge ranch called the Lord Beresford Ranch. Have you ever heard of that? I, Where I, is it? I, it's in Chihuahua, Mexico. I got to kill that fly. I know it. He's bugging the heck out of me. Anyway, he also worked as a gunfighter for William Randolph Hearst on this big, huge ranch in Chihuahua. Okay, ran over. Oh. So in 1911, the ranch was overrun by uh, Pancho Villa, who stole more than 60,000 head of cattle from Hearst. Well, Hearst... Is this the same Hearst that was the Hearst. father of... Yes. Oh. Yeah. So Hearst formed a what he called a 100-man army of his vaqueros under the leadership of... Tex McGrath, alias, or whatever, yeah. Sundance. and Bob and whoever. Yeah. So one of McGrath's associates was an Oklahoma deputy sheriff he had first met in St. Louis in 1904, a man who would soon become renowned as a silent film western movie star, Tom Mix. Okay? Wow. Together, You know they... you're losing me here. I'm trying to keep up. <laughs> All right. Together, they killed more than 100 of these uh, bandits in battle, okay? So Tom Mix, well, stop. This is too interesting to pass up. Tom Mix worked for the hearse. 
Right. Okay. And with Sundance. And with Sundance. And Tom Mix actually, what was his real name? I, I don't know. But Tom Mix actually was uh, kind of a good guy with a gun. Right. Okay. All right. So, All okay. Right. So during this period, Sundance, or McGrath, if you want to call him that, uh, lived in a town uh, with a family uh, of a family by the name of Nephi Thane. Thane was his brother-in-law. Okay, I'm trying to keep this all straight, all right? In 1901, shortly before leaving for South America, Sundance had married a pretty little gal by the name of Annie Thane. Now, the staunchly religious father disowned his daughter for her choice of husbands, but she was compelled to leave home because she was with child and abandoned by Sundance. Now, this is something to remember, though. Annie gave birth to a son whose name was Harold Thane Longbow. Okay? Sundance's son. Uh-huh. All right? He, the, her son was raised by a foster family, and many years later, he met his father, Sundance, in a hotel in Washington. The state, state of, of Washington. Washington. And even at that time, Sundance was using the name Hiram Beebe. I hope this isn't too confusing. You know, for those of you in the audience that are trying to write some of this down, <laughs> give it up. It's not going to happen. Okay. Well, now, wait a minute. And I know you probably don't care about this point, but what happened at a place? Don't know. Don't know. So, anyway, let's forget her for now. Okay. Now, Sundance is, uh, was with Pancho Villa, okay, and he was took part in the 1912-1916 revolution, and his primary function was to demonstrate to Pancho and his men how to stop and hold up trains, because obviously this was his expertise. He was good at it. Now, after this, he had a little tour of England. He was an old man. He was getting there, yeah. After a tour of England, Ireland, France, Austria, uh, and in Vienna... Sundance actually had a bullet removed from the small of his back near the spine. He enlisted in the Army during World War I. Sundance still was using the the name of Tex McGrath. Uh, And during this time, he picked up a religious philosophy. He was a devoter of a person by the name of Omar Khayyam. Okay, now he was... Oh, I know him. Yeah, this guy was a mathematician, philosopher, whatever. Sundance started practicing yoga... Anyway, he didn't wear those tight pants. I did don't he? know. Okay. I don't know. But following the war, Tex McGrath, Sundance, returned to the United States and lived for a time in Burns, Oregon. Burns? Uh, Burns, Oregon. He was often drunk, boasted about his escapades in the war with Pancho Villa. He made a lot of enemies in and around Burns. Uh, one night, McGrath or Sundance became so drunk, he shot up the local t- hotel and they kindly invited him to leave Burns. Say goodbye your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Mm-hmm. Now, during the early 1920s, Sundance joined a gang called the Weaver Gang in the Midwest. This guy's got to be 70 years old. He's getting that way. And at various times, this gang that he was with consisted of John Dillinger, 
George Machine Gun Kelly, Holy Pretty Boy Floyd, oh. and some of the members of the old Wild Bunch. The Chicago people. Yeah, yeah. But at various times, this gang consisted of all these guys. And Out in Burns? No, no, now, now he's back in Chicago area. You're losing me, man. <laughs> Pay attention, Zeb. <laughs> I'm gonna have to start drawing pictures. I right? hope. Okay. So anyway, he actually uh, joined a, a gang with a, another guy by the name of Frank O'Banion. Uh, anyway, Sundance eventually migrated to Utah and began using the name Hiram Beebe. Okay, this is where we start with Hiram Beebe. Okay. Now, Hiram Beebe... Are you tired? I am. (laughs) I'm trying to (laughs) hang on to this, Zeb. Anyway, Hiram Beebe and his friend uh, were drunk. They were belligerent and was often prone to do in a bar in this little town of Mount Pleasant, Utah. The bar owner asked them to leave, and they refused. So he called the town marshal, a guy by the name of Lon Larson. Okay, Lon Larson. I know. You're going to tell me to remember that remember name. Remember that name yeah. because the, uh, the, he arrived at the bar. He approached Beebe's table and asked him his name. Beebe replied, that is none of your darn business. Uh-huh. The marshal was, uh, opened his vest and showed Beebe his bags, and he said, this makes it my business. Larson said to the old man, Beebe replied, that, bad, that bags don't, meet, don't make you a man. So there's a little confrontation going on here. Uh-huh. Okay, so Sheriff Larson then asked Beebe to leave the premises, and uh, Beebe stared at him and defied the marshal. Well, Larson grabbed Beebe by the shirt collar, pulled him from out of the table, threw him out the door, and threw him across the sidewalk, and shoved him into the cab of a pickup, and pushed him in, shut the door. What year was this now? Uh, I can't remember. <laughs> You're telling me to remember all these names. Well, so Larson shoved him into this pickup, all right? He turned around to walk back to the bar, and he stopped for a minute to talk to Mrs. Beebe, uh, Hiram's wife, who had just come out of a store. And she was kind of distracted, the marshal. And she says, what are you doing to my husband? And he said, well, uh, you know, I'm getting taking care of him. Just then, a bullet hit uh, the marshal in the arm, and another one hit him in the stomach, and he went down. And uh, so here's the marshal, down and dead. Okay. So by this time, uh, uh, Bibi's wife and his friend they took off and they wanted to leave. They headed out of town, and Bibi uh, pulled out his pistol and he says, "You know, you guys better leave me alone. I'm, I'm leaving." They took off. They headed to a place called Spring City, and they were holed up there for a while. And then another sheriff came, who actually was a friend of Bibi's. Uh, they were holed up in this house and they were being surrounded. And they were just going to shoot it out, but this other sheriff says, "Look, you know, come on, let's 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 do this." Well, when he went in, they actually had enough guys. They surrounded him. They put him. They got him. Put him in jail, and uh, they placed him under arrest. They were. He was then taken to Salt Lake City. He was charged with first-degree murder, and uh, was put on trial. Now, at this point, uh, they discovered that this guy, who was about 75 years old by now, all right, and the date of birth and the location and everything indicated this this was Harry Longbow, the Sundance Kid. So, he went to trial, and of course the verdict was guilty, and at that time, 
the law was if you were guilty of murder, you, you had to die. You had to be executed, either by hanging or by a firing squad. Well, he says, I don't want to be hung. He says, I want to be shot. Well, a new trial was scheduled, and one thing or another, the Board of Pardons finally came around and said, okay, just life in prison, okay? So he was sentenced to spend the rest of his life in prison, and uh, this is where things got a little bit interesting, because uh, I'm going to tell you about the proof of the identity of Hiram Beebe. Oh, wow. All right? Okay. I know we're almost out of time. I want to get this in. I, I feel like I've been swimming for a mile and a half. <laughs> okay. So... He died in 1955, but verification of the identity of Hiram Beebe being identical with Harry Alonzo Longbow, alias Sunday's kid, has been attained from several reliable sources. The most important of these is the family of Longbow himself. Notably, his nephew, a guy by the name of William Longbow, provided information from the diary of Samantha Longbow, sister of the Sundance Kid. And further proof was provided by one of the sons of his buddies who kept notes on the story of Hiram Beebe. And there's little doubt that Hiram Beebe was the notorious outlaw known as the Sundance Kid. Now, during the late 1970s, there was a writer, in fact, the guy that wrote this, interviewed a Dr. J.O. Jones at his home in Midvale, Utah. Dr. Jones was pretty old by this time, and he had been the attending physician at the prison during the final years of Beebe's life in the Utah State Pen. Now, Dr. Jones verified two important factors, which not only verified Beebe's identity, but it explained some of the mystery behind his life. The good doctor indicated that B.B. had long suffered from a degenerative spinal disease, probably brought about due to a bullet wound in his spine, and this had a connection with another malady that was either malaria or something else, caused him to kind of waste away. He just kind of got weaker, and you know. From being in South America. Probably, uh, whatever, malaria. But anyway, uh, uh, this... Uh, kind of help disguise his true identity because here's this tall, good-looking Sundance kid. I mean, you've seen earlier pictures of him, yeah. good-looking guy, and now he is this kind of old, decrepit, 75-year-old guy that's hunched over. And uh, But anyway, they think that because he, the way he looked, the Pinkertons didn't really pay any attention to him. Well, Dr. Jones recalled several bullet wounds and scars which matched those of known wounds inflicted upon the Sundance kid during his career. Now, I'm going to just show you something here, Zeb. Okay. Uh, I know we're about out of time. I'll tell you what, I've been in a whirlwind here. Okay, look at all these references. Wow. So this is not just a family story. It's been researched thoroughly. Yeah. Now, I went to the Internet, and I found some sources that say, no, he was, that was not the Sundance Kid. And, you know, I don't claim to be an expert historian, but this came from uh, a family. It's been a family story, and I don't know that it's ever been told anywhere. Where was, I want to back up just for a minute here. Where was the family, the Longbaugh family, from originally? Um... He was born, I think it was back east, actually. Okay, that's. I thought you said New York at one yeah, time, was it? Um, 
Could, I mean, the amazing twists and turns of, yeah. A, how he got hooked up with Butch Cassidy. B, uh, I'd really like you to do some research on, okay. Ed, on Ed a Place. Okay. Uh, he was born in Chester County, Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania. Yeah, in, ni- in 1868. Okay. Ni- near a little town called Montrose. He was one of five children. And he died at almost 90 years of age. 70, 79. Oh. He was 79 oh, okay. when he died All right. uh, in the Utah State Prison. And, wow. you know, I, like I said, I put a lot of credibility into people's actual stories th- th- that come from something like this. So, again, some of our listeners may doubt this, and I, I have a little bit of question okay, on it. Okay, you've got some questions, but we've only got a little time left, and I want to ask you this. Okay. After going through and researching the books and the stories and everything else about Butch Cassidy and Sundance Kid, you don't believe they died in Bolivia, I do, do you? I do not. There's been too many sightings, too many things happened, too many things after they were supposedly in, in South America. Really? And uh, Butch, uh, his... His youngest sister knows knows where he's buried in Washington. She has since passed away, but she knew where he's buried in Washington State somewhere under a certain name, obviously not even Butch Cassidy. And I think I would be safe in saying that I don't believe you feel that Billy the Kid died the way that uh, some historians say he did, and he might have been the old brushy Bill. You know, that's another one that... I would love to find out the real story. Yeah. You know? But that's the fun of history, you know? Uh, you say, well, you know, all this stuff I just read and, and researched, it could have happened. It's, it's legitimate, I think. And like, say, this neighbor of mine, Vicki, it's her grandfather's brother that was killed. Her grandfather was Lon Larson that was killed. The sheriff. Yeah, the sheriff that was killed by in Burns. Sundance. No, not in Burns. <laughs> Down in Utah. Okay, well, you see, you got me lost, man. I tell you, they jumped all over. Next time, I'm going to bring pictures. Oh, goodness. Uh, this is really, really interesting, and I hope our audience enjoyed that, because you put a lot of time and effort into that. I did. That You know, I was just so fascinated with Butch, and then, by chance, I ran across this uh, story about the Sundance Kid, you know? And he was a bad guy. Sundance was not a good guy. He was not a good guy. No, he killed people. He robbed. He was not, as opposed to Butch, who really never killed anybody. Yeah. 